This week on Morton Moneyball, uh, we have a really interesting conversation with Dan Simborski, who is a senior writer at Fangraphs, as well as an ESPN contributor and data consultant. We get into a really nice discussion of different perspectives on retrospective versus prospective measures in baseball, as well as kind of some interesting projection kind of exercises and and, and interesting ha- stuff happening in Major League Baseball this season. So tune in for that and enjoy. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball. Sports analytics here on SiriusXM. This is Cade Massey with the whole crew. Eric Bradlow is here. Shane Jensen is here. Audie Weiner is here. This week, we're delighted to welcome onto the show for the first time, Dan Zimborski. Dan is a senior writer at Fangraphs. He's also an ESPN contributor. He's a data consultant. But if you know Fangraphs, you know that means he's a baseball guy. We're forever referencing Fangraphs around here, usually with great reverence, but sometimes with question. Dan's not responsible for the projections, but we might talk a little bit of Fangraphs projections. We can talk all things baseball with Dan. Thanks for making time for us today, Dan. Thanks for having me. It's always good to talk some numbers. Uh, generally, I'm not responsible for the Fangraphs things unless people are angry with me, in which case it is always my fault somehow. Right. Well, we we kind of take it as gospel, or at least almost gospel. What, I'm, what we're talking about, team, of course, is a projected standings. It's a nice, quick way to look at how far above or below a team is playing above expectation, as well as something like schedule adjustment to kind of get a sense of where we think they're going. It's a game we play, Dan, throughout the season. A team will start hot and we'll say, okay, what do you think a reasonable win total is for this team? How much regression to the mean should you expect? And you guys are kind of in some sense, uh, we check ourselves against you. Anyway, Dan, you're not the projections guy. Dan, give us a little sense about what you are paying attention to. I know you've got a couple of recent articles up on Fangraphs on pitching injuries related to the pitching clock or or not. It turns out that your results, I think, mostly show that there's no evidence yet that that's there. And then you've got a little bit of an explainer on Z stats, which we might want to drop into. What else is on your mind before we go those directions? Well, the Orioles are always on my mind because the, I am an Orioles fan uh, since I'm originally from Baltimore. And the Baltimore Orioles right now are one of the largest sources of consternation among fans who are very mad generally that the Fangraphs projections do not necessarily match with what they believe the Orioles projections should be. Uh, now, okay. the Zips projections that are part of the Fangraphs projections do like the Orioles better than Fangraphs does simply because of differences in methodology, but just not to the degree that the record is. Everyone wants the projections to say they're going to win 98 games. And until I say that, none of my uh, uh my my city mates or my former city mates are going to be very happy with me. Right. Well, the, let's just let's just be precise. They're they're playing it a six twenty clip so far. The projected rest of the season is only five hundred. Even it touched below five hundred for a full season win total of eighty nine. So I can understand why that would be unsatisfying to the to the big fans. But of course, we're always talking about regression to the mean around here. That doesn't surprise us too much. Maybe that's not a bad introduction into your Z, I'm calling them Z stats. Maybe that's not the right thing to call them, but you said that your your statistical package, your Z stats are a little more optimistic about the Orioles. Why why would that be? What is it that these things do? Well, the Z stats doesn't specifically like the Orioles better. Uh, it's kind of the methodology of how I calculate rest of season playing time. Uh, I fan graphs to do a daily update assumes a static number of plate appearances or innings pitched for each 
uh, uh, picture and matter. Uh, while the Zips methodology, which I don't run every day because it's extremely time sensitive or time intensive to work on that, is I project a variable amount of uh, plate appearances and and innings pitched for pictures based on their history. So. Generally speaking, my methodology will reward depth more than the bog standard Fangraphs one will. And that's why Zips tends to like the Cardinals most years better than Fangraphs and the Mets less well than Fangraphs does. Those are kind of the differences in how that shakes out. Zips tends okay. to like the Rays better than consensus. Uh, now, Z-Stats, it's just kind of the Zip spin. Oh. Dan, let me hold you on there before we go to Z-Stats altogether, because I think we should take advantage of talking about an AL East team that is not New York or Boston. Can you give us a little bit more on Baltimore? And this has been, it's a little bit been the baseball process of uh, the, of the Sam Hinkie trust the process. It's been a rebuild for a few years. It's been a little painful, but we knew some, we thought that some wise people were in charge and they had the support of ownership. And so we've had some confidence. It seems to be bearing fruit. Now, what should we expect in the future for Baltimore? Can they really stand up against the Sox and the Yankees, these moneyed clubs? Can we expect them to be competitive in that division going forward? I think the the largest problem, and especially if you get to a postseason scenario, is the rotation just, I don't know, the projections are still quite skeptical about the Orioles starting pitching. Uh, but the results have been quite solid, uh, at least from the frontline pitching. I mean, Cole Irvin was terrible early on. Grace Rodriguez, uh, let's let's not talk about his debut so far. But there's kind of that disconnect right now between the expectations of the starting pitching and how the projections see them. Uh, and that turns out to be a bigger deal when you talk playoffs, because yep. really the only the primary difference between regular season performance and postseason performance is there's a, that that density of of team quality that comes to the front in the playoffs uh the the first three first four pictures in the rotation mean a lot more than say your top seven or eight guys which factors over 162 games and so zips tends to you know like the orioles a little bit than fangrass but not that much better and Mm -hmm. still sees the orioles as a favorite to make the playoffs at this point because so much of the season is baked in and into the cake at this point right but it, it it does see them having a problem in the playoffs because realistically you you think of every possible game that they would play in a in a expected playoff scenario and they probably have the worst starting picture of the two in most of the games and that is a problem okay yeah right all right give me one other moment on the Orioles the athletic recently by, by recent i mean the last 24 hours or so published a poll of the of players on a variety of questions which is kind of fun to look at one of them was if you were going to start a team now around around one player, who would that player be? And Otani, kind of obviously, but also overwhelmingly, was the choice. Forty five percent of the play, of the hundred or so players that were surveyed chose him. Number four on the list. Well, by the way, let's throw Bradlow and Weiner a bone here. Aaron Judge was number two. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Number three, but then Adley Rutschman slides in here. The only other player with more than 5%, 5.8%, the catcher, the Orioles catcher. Tell us a little bit about this guy. And for those who may not know anything about him, why is the Orioles catcher sliding in as the fourth most popular player among current players as if I was going to build a team around a guy? Well, one of the things about catchers, it's a hard position to fill competently. And it's a hard position to not have kind of a timeshare. You look at a lot of the teams around the league and they're kind of patching together uh, their catcher situation, even even some very good teams, like at least how we saw the Blue Jays coming into the season uh, with Danny Jensen and Alex Alejandro Kirk. 
Uh, but the Orioles, Rutschman is kind of that old school catcher in a way that you can start him 120, 130 games at the position. He's good enough off- offensively that you can spell him at, you know, give him some time off at DH and he's still a plus in the lineup. And he's a very well-rounded player. Uh, he doesn't have any major defensive problems and no major offensive weakness. And given his age and his polish and the fact that he plays catcher, that's a really, you know, enticing package to offer any team in a theoretical expansion draft. I would take Otani too first because you get the hitter and the pitcher, uh, but I would definitely take Rutschman up there. Given, given kind of like the propensity for injury, I, I think as an exercise, kind of the, this, this is like, Oh, you want to build your franchise around somebody. I think I, as a unique as Adley Rushman is within his position, would you ever pick a catcher for that? Given the in, you know, given their length of their careers versus other position players. I think it would come down to, I guess in this, in this fictional expansion draft, where exactly you're drafting. I probably wouldn't draft him as high as fourth or fifth. Uh, but if he say fell to 12th, then all of a sudden, yeah, then, then you have to absorb that risk because with any player, you're going to absorb risk somewhere uh, with Otani. There's additional risk in that. If you lose the picture, you might not necessarily have the hitter part too, depending on exactly what happens. If he has, you know, major elbow surgery or shoulder surgery or something, you've kind of lost the picture in the batter. So you lose that kind of, of, of package. It's just really a balance of how good a player is, how young they are. Uh, I don't think uh, salary was part of that equation when they were talking. So that's not really a, a, a thing. But, I mean, there's no player that is a certainty, and I think that people tend to have this idea that stars are are invincible in a way. Uh, I get that every year when everyone's like, why do you have all these stars with lower projections than last year? It's like, well, because they're on the edge of the risk curve. There's a lot more, more bad things that can happen than good. So just to follow up on, on Shane's uh, question about or observation about catchers, it's, it's really hard to value a catcher because – you get typically so little offense from them. Although I feel like that's worse and worse as time goes on. Maybe, Dan, you can respond to that. If you go back historically, it always seemed to be some great catchers around, but I, I feel like there's almost none to do. That's why Rashman comes up as such a, an obvious candidate. Um, but the, the, the position has to get filled. You can't move him around with someone else. You can't move a shortstop to play catcher or an outfielder. The, the reverse you can sometimes do, but you can't, you can't, you can make a catcher when they're a teenager or college, or maybe even the minors, but you can't do it at a professional level. And it just is a, is a sinkhole. And I feel like none of the valuation metrics appropriately um, just confront that, that scarcity head on. It's, it's a tricky position and it's not just tricky for that reason. It's because parts of the job are very difficult to evaluate. Uh, defense for catchers is a much more complicated job than evaluating shortstop defense. A shortstop's job is pretty clear cut. Get the balls that are hit to them, turn to double play, don't screw up the stolen base attempts. That's mostly the shortstop's job. While the catcher has an interactivity with the pitcher that really no other position has except pickoff attempts, but that's almost by rote. Uh, I, I, I do think that is a problem, but I do think that when you look at someone who's that far above the crowd, you start to think, okay, well, maybe he's worth this risk. Uh, We did an expansion draft similar to this on ESPN about 10, 12 years ago. And a lot of people were mad at me for taking Buster Posey 15th, but I'm like 15th. I mean, that's a great place to take Posey. I would be very happy to have him for the next decade. And I, it turned out to be okay. Not a bad pick. 
I, just to follow up with one one comment, you know, all those years the Yankees won so many World Series and titles, and most people would point to their important players, Mantle, DiMaggio, but the people who were closest to the team said it was Berra over and over again because the catcher. <laughs> and, and they had some really good catchers in their history. Yep. So, Dan, let me ask you a, a related question to what you said earlier about the Orioles. If someone just for a year, not for their entire career, said you could trade Rushman for, let's say, the Yankees, and you could get either of their catchers, Higashioka or Trevino, but you'd also get Garrett Cole, so that in the playoffs, you would have possibly the best pitcher in every matchup. Would you do it? It's it's kind of, I'm asking you to play like a virtual GM and why assembling a team using analytics is not as trivial as some people might think. I, I think if we're talking for a year, I would definitely do it. It's, if I can get him back at the end of the year, hopefully. But Yeah, yeah no, I'm I, just saying, you're ta- we're talking about making the, in some sense, we're talking about interaction effects or matchups in, you know, types of series. And so, yes, you wouldn't trade him for the Yankees catcher and you might not trade him for a very good pitcher. But if you could get someone who's as outlying on the pitching dimension as he's on the catching dimension for a season, you might do it. No, I I think that's absolutely true. And I think I would do that. Garrett Cole, the top of the Orioles rotation with a decent non-star catcher. I I think that's a better team. That might be a better team, period, even not going into the playoffs uh, at, at the risk of, (laughs) And then one thing we always talk about in other sports as well is when Garrett Cole's number one, then whoever's number one on the Orioles is now number two, which makes them a much more effective pitcher. So I'm just emphasizing your point, Dan. I think that makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah, and I actually, uh, Dan, I wanted to kind of give your expertise and projections. I I was wondering if you could give your perspective on um, what Corbin Carroll's been doing out there uh, for the Diamondbacks. I mean, there's rookie of the year candidates, and then there's leading the actual entire major leagues in offensive war. So, uh, he, can you give a perspective on how unique that is as a rookie season, and what you would do with that as far as him going forward? No, it's he, he the the quality of his rookie season is very rare because you look at his his rest of season projections from this point on, which are basically a remixed projection of what came before and what came uh, this season so far. And it already has him as one of the best players in the league. And uh, the good news uh, from my perspective is that Zips already liked him a lot coming into the season. Uh, it had him uh, 43rd in war among all, all position players, which he's going to beat pretty handily uh, now. And that was only a 130 game projection. But there were a lot of good reasons to like him coming into the season. And those those reasons have been largely reinforced by his play. Uh, I, I, I hate to compare him to Trout because not to the same degree, but he's one of those cases of, of, of a player who people say that projection is ridiculous. And the projection turned out to be very wrong, but in the opposite direction, because Zips projected Trout to be a four win player, a four war player, his rookie season, which was an extremely aggressive projection for a rookie. And it was off by, you know, more than a hundred percent. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit more about these projections and these stats and the Z stats in particular, because you've got a whole suite of these that we, we we've talked about over the years as we think of them as more fundamental measures. Adi, you've had a term for this that I've lost now, but tell us what, what these Z stats are and why they're useful. Well, basically, if if you if you're someone who hangs around MLB StatCast, you see they have something called X stats, which are, are tend to be 
very simple stats based on, uh, for example, their X batting average is batting average based on the, uh, the, uh, the, the velocity that a ball is hit and the angle a ball is hit. And those are the only two pieces of information involved in that. Uh, since I want to improve projections and do a better job than and real quickly, let me just clarify. So you're talking about they use process measures. This is one way of thinking about it. they use process measures instead of outcome measures. I mean, batting average is an outcome based statistic and you, but we know that's noisy. And so these guys are going to go in and use something that's less noisy. And that's going to be something involved in the process. And you're saying that for the X stats, it is exit velocity and angle. Okay, great. Yeah, so that, that's the that, start. That's the idea. That's a concept. Okay. Uh, that's that's what they use. Uh, Zips also uses data, uh, for example, a player's speed, uh, because speed is an important aspect of batting average on balls in play. Uh, faster players will tend to have a higher batting average in balls in play than slower players do. Uh, so the idea to use data like that to make these kind of peripheral stats more predictive. Yes. Uh, I always try to use it. I call it more elemental in a way. Uh, I think of of of, of Plato, uh, or was it Aristotle? Well, reducing everything to kind of elementals, uh, and the hit is the result of a lot of things. But we mm-hmm. want to get what makes the hit happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, I don't mind. I mean, I like the X stats because that that is elemental in, in some sense, irreducible at this some point. In other words. This is this really expresses everything that you need to know about what happened uh, in terms of what was responsible by the hitter and everything else is responsible by the park you're in, by the atmospheric conditions for some cases for uh, for the fielders, et cetera, et cetera. But and that's okay. But there's lots of lots of other metrics that get used to evaluate hitters that are become very common. I think Fangraphs is responsible for a lot of those that really, in some sense, really miss it, uh, particularly with hitters, because it doesn't differentiate between outcomes that produce runs and those that don't. And they argue uh, that that's because that's not in the hitter's control, but that's not always true. So be more specific, take RBIs. RBIs used to be the stat of the, of our time, Eric and I, you know, those who follow baseball, that was the stat. And it shows how much you produce. And now I just, I'm reading a a baseball biography and the, the author just offhanded remarks. We don't care about RBIs because it's a team stat. And well, the fact of the matter is, is that it, it's not a team stat. I mean, it does depend on who you're, where you are in the lineup that matters. And that's not the player's choice. And who comes up on the, who's on the bases, that's not the player's choice either. But delivering when it matters is something that is really, really important. And while that may not be the best thing to be used for predictions into the future, that's not the, that's not when we want to talk about what happened and who did a lot. We want to see who did it when it was necessary. And RBIs very much express that. And same thing with hits. You know, you can't just rank a player based on X, whatever it is, if you're if you're not treating hits that happen when there's when there's with that produce runs differently than ones that happen when there's nobody on base and you're losing by 10. Uh, well, I'm fortunate in a way, since I mostly focus on the projections, I don't kind of have to get into that philosophical battle between a statistics job in reporting and a statistics job in predicting what the underlying ability was. And uh, really, with all the stats you see at Fangraphs and all sabermetric stats, really, you kind of see that battle of of just how well a stat – do we want stats to describe what happened or do we want stats to 
report kind of the deeper underlying meaning of what happened. And these things kind of clash. Uh, you see that with the difference in the way that Fangraphs expresses a picture war versus the way Baseball Reference expresses picture war. While Baseball Reference starts with the actual event, the the runs allowed and makes adjustments based on that, based on team defense. Fangraphs uses FIP, which is one of those stats that's more elemental in a way. It's using stats that are more volatile to try to get more meaning out of what the data is, or the data are, excuse me. I I think that you kind of get into that, that, that philosophical battle, which I'm not really sure is necessarily a right answer to. Uh, we still show RBI and we still show a lot of the other basic stats because they do tell stories. Can I ask a quick question? Uh, why are quality starts shown? I don't know. We've actually had a talk about that. Uh, I, I, I'm not. It's a way sure. we could agree that, you know, if you're going to just tabulate what happened, there are there are better representation, actually, of what happened to a pitcher than wins. Yeah, there's there's sometimes some stats that we're missing and some stats we have that are surprising cool. uh, for like ground grounders and double plays. We have we for some reason that's missing for pictures. And we have kind of an argument every year, like, when are we going to get this implemented? And then we move on to something else. <laughs> Dan, we're going to have to let you go because of time, um, though. We'd love to have you back. We could do this for a long time. Maybe you could give us one storyline that is top of mind for you through the rest of the year. What's what's something you think might be interesting to keep our eye on as the season unfolds? Well, the team I find the most interesting at this moment is the Cincinnati Reds, in a way, because they're a team that 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 tanked so quickly and now they have all these players in the minor the high minors who are coming up very exciting so now they're kind of caught between two contrasting plans uh the the cheap the cheap part uh the you know getting Joey Votto his his retirement year or you know his the the valedictory march uh and getting these players in the lineup and i think that they could surprise the nl central which is really really weak right now and they're going to be like the dog that catches the car. Okay, what do we do now? <laughs> All right, good. Well, that's always a fun club to bring back into our consciousness. They haven't been very relevant since since back when we were children, but they're a good, good historic team for us to pay attention to. Dan, thanks for making time for us, man. Fun to talk to you. Wish you the best with all the work you're doing at Pangraphs. Thanks for having me on. Always a blast to talk baseball. Have me on anytime. Absolutely. Dan Zimborski, you can find him on Fangraphs. You can find him on Twitter. Zimborski's with an S, S-Z-Y. That has been a full hour of sports athletics here with Wharton Moneyball. We do it every week. Many thanks to the whole team here. Audie Weiner, Brad Lowe, Shane Jensen, they've been with us from the beginning. Maddie Dats, the boss man, appreciate it. Maddie, Deion Simpkins, the associate boss man. And we appreciate you guys for listening. Come back and join us next time. Between now and then, enjoy your sports. <laughs>